like that. Second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Outkick.com slash watch. You can stream the show live each and every day. Outkick.com slash watch. Head to the uh, site. Scroll up. It's really simple. Just click on the watch. Hit watch. And it's playing right now. It's a, it's a simple word to find, to read. Click it and you can watch us. We have uh, on the bus, off the bus, uh, straight ahead uh, with uh, some discussion about the NCAA and whether or not we think they will prevail or not. Uh, you tune into this show or practically anyone, uh, we know the answer to that. But there's a detail that I want to hit uh, with. There's going to be a victor that I'm not really sure uh, is taking a victory lap other than maybe just a, a possible participation trophy. And Chad, maybe we can get into this uh, from your weekend as well oh, with a tie-in, yeah, on uh, on some jewelry uh, that's that's coming up. Uh, uh, plus, can't, Andrew can't Brandt, wait to discuss my weekend and the jewelry. Will will join us. Um, so, top headlines: the you have Cliff Kingsbury who bolts and and says, "No, thanks, but no thanks. I'm I'm rescinding um, my decision or uh, any interest I have." in the Raiders' offensive coordinator job. He's going to be the next offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. Adam Schefter says that what really got things with Cliff, taking a parachute off the cliff and headed to Washington instead of Las Vegas, was that the Raiders refused to give him or offer him a three-year contract to be the O.C., Washington didn't apparently come into the mix until at the very end of this. And they just said, hey, we'll offer you the third year. And that's all she wrote. It's not that simple. But the fact is, like, without Washington, what would he have done? Just stayed where he was? Well, do, it's... Like, do nothing and just clearly enjoy? He, that's fine, too. He, he had his agent do some bidding for him and find out, hey, are they going to offer me three years? Yeah, well, now I can bid that against the Raiders. And the Raiders probably said, yeah, still not going to do it. So he left. He and said, went to Washington. Schefter says 98%, 99% of the time, they're able to resolve their differences so that when it's reported that a team is expected to hire someone, that deal is going to get done. In particular, this case, the rare case, it didn't. On the flip side with Washington, is it? I, I find it a bit odd. There's a lot of info out there about why Ben Johnson turned down the commanders. He's not the only coach to turn down a team in this hiring cycle. But yet... <laughs> You have saying he's a leaky wheel. Yeah, I mean he's with some info he, getting out. I'm not saying he's he's quick to uh, explain why or why not he didn't take a head coaching job and went back to Detroit for a second year in a row. When it's all said and done, maybe uh, we look back on this and think, well, he he absolutely crushed it with his decision. You know, we, I, I, I'm curious too. I would love truth serum with Sean Payton. Had he waited another year, is there another job that was open this cycle? that he wanted more than Denver because he would have received the same amount of money. Hutton, Ben Johnson is the only assistant coach that I actually care about whether or not they're going to get a job (laughs) next year. I'm serious about this. The only? The dude is fascinating to me. The only one. I don't care about assistant coaches in uh, interviewing for a job. But this dude, in Detroit, mind you, okay, not exactly a sterling record when it comes to getting relevant and staying relevant at any time in their history – at his age, got an opportunity to be the head coach for the Washington Commanders, a new owner. And we have heard that he has done everything from, say, give me $18 million or I walk, 
and I'll go back and be a coordinator to he didn't get along with the basketball guys, so he turned it down. I'm Hey, more power to you, Ben. If you want to power play it and you're that happy in Detroit and this is going to build the legend of Ben well, Johnson, you're going to get a better opportunity next year, great. I just think there is a law of diminishing returns with owners if this happens again. Well, uh, there's another twist to this. So there's also a report that he had initially agreed to a second interview, Washington and ownership flying to Detroit to meet with him. He canceled the second interview while they're on their way on the flight. I mean, it's like Via one text. of those guys did something to him and he was getting them back. It, it's, it's a strange story. And I just think if you're a yeah, coordinator I mean, in the NFL, you, if you want to be a head coach, you strike when the iron's hot. And he was going to get a lot of leeway in Washington. New quarterback, right? It was going to be a rookie quarterback more than likely. Yep. He was going to get a leash there to figure it out with a quarterback and system and all that. And instead, it wasn't a high – all NFL jobs are high pressure in their own way. But it wasn't a uh, Jerry Jones fires Mike McCarthy and hires the next coach to win a Super Bowl or get fired type situation, right? You're going to step into a situation where you're going to get some patience, you would think, with a new owner and with a new quarterback. But instead, he said, nope, I'm good. I'm going to go back to Detroit and be the offensive coordinator. Good luck to you. It might work out. But well, I mean, like John McClain just told us, Jared Goff could get hurt and they could suck next year. And he's no longer a hot commodity. Speaking of uh, just patience, though, Ben Johnson doesn't seem to have any. He's already determining. Uh, and, and look, you're, you're Abe, if it's not a fit, whatever. But don't, if the report is true um, that he canceled the second interview while the ownership group, the basketball guys, are on their way to meet with him for a second interview in Detroit. So according to ESPN, Johnson considered the ownership group led by Josh Harris of the 76ers, of course, got Magic Johnson, and they have uh, some other guys, to, to be basketball guys and believe they were overly confident about their football knowledge. That in and of itself, to me, I mean, the vast majority of owners in the NFL are overly confident about their football knowledge. They fire coaches left and right, general managers left and right, thinking that they know better than what the football guy that you hired to do is doing at the time. And they normally do the opposite of whatever you're doing to sell it to the fan base and to uh, the, you know, the public perception of winning the press conference. You tell me, like, so just name an owner, and the football knowledge is going to be more than... Uh, more than most people, but I'm saying, like, more than the coaches? No. You think Jim Hersey isn't doing something? By, I mean, Amy Adams Strunk is talking about, you know, winning, yeah. and getting to an AFC championship one time in four years isn't good enough. Right. You know, you're not going to have uh, <laughs> uh, George Papa Bear Hallis as your owner all the time, who's a big football guy. You know, Paul Brown, yes. when he owned the Bengals, isn't walking through that door. Well, I, I trust this owner. He's a, he's a football guy. He's in, he's in the administration. I'm going to listen to him because he's a football guy. I, I, again, only assistant coach I'm interested in, Ben Johnson. That dude is a marvel. <laughs> I, I'm amazed by the whole setup with him. The power play he made to go back to Detroit. How good will Detroit be? Is he going to have opportunities? And we know how tight-knit a fraternity yes. slash sorority with the female owners also, NFL ownership is. I, I think it's a turnoff. I do. I think the leak's getting out about it. I think this whole thing, I think the demands for a guy who's never been a head coach or I'll walk, I don't – let's see how this plays out with the other teams that are going to have openings next year. There will be more openings. 
How does this play out with Ben Johnson? Stephon Diggs with a quote recently uh, about his situation in Buffalo. And he was asked about it, and he said, I can't tell you what the future holds. Keep in mind, he signed a contract extension last offseason and then had that whole uh, minicamp ordeal with Josh Allen. We saw how things played out throughout the season, and he signed through 2027. Got paid. There's, some, there's still friction there. Crazy. I don't know why so, it it has to be so dramatic. And his 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 cap figure is when his you're contract under contract, is, you could just say, "Well, I'm under contract through 2027, so that's the future." Yeah, I, quote: uh, "I can't tell you what the future holds." From uh, Stefan Diggs, our future. Well, we're headed city by city. It's time to go on the bus, off the bus with Davey Hudson. What's up, guys? Hello, Davey. Hope your Monday is off to a fantastic, terrific. Fantastic Terrific Monday so start, far. even though it's yes. the afternoon. I don't know. I work, woke up pretty late, so I usually count the afternoon as the That's start That's why he's wearing me. the sunglasses. The, the yeah. light so sunglasses bright. Sunglasses at night. Light so bright in here. It's so early yeah. for him. Guys, been a lot of talk as we get started on this bus. We're going to Greenville, Tennessee, in East Tennessee, as the NCAA, nice. the AGs for Tennessee and Virginia are currently, we're waiting to see how things will unfold as it relates to the future of college athletics, and my, my first on the bus, off the bus for today is Tennessee and Virginia will prevail in their case against the NCAA. Look, I think that ultimately they're going to win, right? It's, it, it, it's going to break one way or the other. The NCAA is just going to back off. They already have. Yeah, the NCAA, they're, they've won public opinion. Let's, let's all admit yeah. that now, right? Yes. The NCAA is... Not winning anyone's opinion on this. Everybody's on the side of Tennessee and Virginia with this case. But in terms of prevailing in the legal sense of the lawsuit and everything going on, I just think it's a series of, I'm no legal expert. Davey went to law school, so maybe he can tell us. But I think it's going to be a series of temporary restraining orders and judges saying, well, you can't do this, but we can argue this other point. It's going to take months, maybe more than a year, if this thing continued to trickle up and trickle up and trickle up and everybody spent millions in legal fees and the attorney generals of both Tennessee and Virginia wanted to fight it to the bitter end, this thing would go all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court would say, aha, I told you to bring me another case on this. Yes, Tennessee and Virginia, you're right. NCAA is in violation of antitrust laws. Collectives and independent businesses can do whatever the hell they want with players. And thank you for bringing this to me. Whatever the hell they want. So, yes. <laughs> Great reference. Tim Robinson, shout out. If it got there, they're going to prevail. I don't know that it's going to get there. I feel like it's going to break one way or the other with the NCAA breaking, right? So, like, legally, do they prevail? Do they win outright? Yes, if it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. But is it a immediate KO? Yes, with public opinion. Yes. You get what I'm saying. But yeah. This is a clean the legal, like The NCAA will probably be able to argue some sort of victory so, in all of this in the end, but no one's going to buy it. Well, well but that they, I don't know how they were. <laughs> we're allowed to continue they, governing they the will, NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah. That's a win for Thank us. Thank you, Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti, for allowing us to do this. Uh, I'm on the bus with this. Yes, they've already won. Uh, the, in the public perception with this, I mean, it's a, it's a, a bloodbath. Um, Here's my, it's a first-round knockout. My participation trophy is to the state of Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, I still don't know why they're involved. Do we? Uh, Virginia or Virginia Tech being investigated and not been reported is the uh, but 
It is the thought, but I'll, I'll say this. But if that's true, what a terrible job by those that cover well, those beats to well, not immediately put two and two together and say, hey, we got to get with a source and find out if, if, but, this, if our school is being investigated. But we're saying first-round knockout and the Commonwealth of Virginia is being mentioned. You know, like, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, it's the participation trophy, uh, you know, for well, the... And, we, and by the way, we, there will be others too. Yeah. And I, I commend them for jumping on board because it makes it that much more damning to the NCAA, quite frankly. Um, because you're going to have others as soon as they try to you know, prolong this. Well, and you guys may know this. When West Virginia sued and got the temporary restraining or the state of West Virginia sued about the transfer portal, the limitations yes. on that, and they got the TRO, and then people could freely enter the portal and go wherever they wanted, right? Yep. Was there an issue with West Virginia athletics that prompted that? Or was that just West Virginia doing it on their own because they thought that was what was right? I don't remember that specific instance. I, I know – well, Talking, point being, Virginia yes. could just be saying, this is what's right, yeah, so we're going to do it. It doesn't have to just be Regardless of what's going on with a their specific school. school. I mean, uh, yeah. when Jonathan Scrimetti came on here, he talked about, you know, this represents all athletes that play in Tennessee. Well, and, and he had been working on this for a year, he said. Yeah. So Virginia would also be on board with that, too. Yep. Um, I don't know. I, I commend them for getting on board with it. I also... So, the fact that they did, I'm surprised that other states didn't do the same I thing. did see a couple of figures. This goes back to late August, but um, I know Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia and a couple of other high-profile Virginia people were here in Nashville uh, along with Bill Lee whenever Virginia came to Nashville okay. to play Tennessee. So that could have okay. been something that conversations got rolling at that point. Um, and is, Governor Lee of Tennessee issued a statement, right, in support of yes. the University yes. of Tennessee the, the and, big, their, and their battle. Chad, who the has it? Their big, their big knockout. He, he supported the uh, first-round knockout that's already happened. He yeah. was in support of that knockout. The big day to keep an eye on is going to be uh, February the 13th. That's when the uh, judge will hear uh, the AGs of Tennessee and Virginia as it relates to their preliminary injunction and whether or not they'll grant that. It's the day before Valentine's Day, just in time to go to manscaped.com and get 20% right. off by using the code HOTMIC. That's one day before that. Prepare Valentine's for victory. Day. That's right. With Manscaped. All right, guys, we're going to switch it up. We're going to go up to Lexington, Kentucky, and the Kentucky Wildcats did not have a good week last week. They lost two games, and it ultimately ended with uh, them dropping, having 100, over 100 points dropped on them on Saturday. But John Calipari will finish his career as the Wildcats head coach. So uh, just reading some of the stats, I hope I can remember all of them correctly, about this Tennessee win over Kentucky. Tennessee is now, I think, 7-1 and one, or 5-1 and one against Kentucky when they're in the top 10, when Kentucky is, under Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes is now, I think, 12-10 and 10 overall against Kentucky. Um, Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan-James become the first ever Tennessee class to finish with a winning record at Rupp Arena. Wow. At 3-2. and two. This is the first time Kentucky's given up 100 points in an SEC game since 1993 against one of those great Arkansas teams where they gave up 103 also. It's the first time Kentucky has lost back-to-back -back home games in conference since something like 1981 at Rupp Arena. I mean, crazy. It shows how great of a program is Kentucky is historically and that they are the class of the SEC normally. But Rick Barnes has John Calipari's number. And it's not that hard to get John Calipari's number right now. Why? Because this annual round-robin revolving door of NBA draft picks that may or may not be any good in the NBA that come in and leave quickly, it's just not working to the extent 
any Kentucky fan wants. Davey, I am off the bus. Well, let me say this. I'm on the bus that he will finish his career as Kentucky coach, but he's going to get fired. And that's going to be the end of John Calipari as a head coach in college basketball. He will not go coach anywhere else. He will live off a buyout from Kentucky. But this thing is trending poorly for Kentucky because with the talent they're getting and with his system of how he brings in players, they're not winning enough right now for any any Kentucky fans like him. I mean, they have the highest expectation, right? The, the, and, and they should. Just went through, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know a program that is winning enough right now. Because college basketball is great because yeah. of that. Uh, also, I'm on the bus because I, whether or not he ends his career being fired or he decides to retire, he's ending his career at Kentucky. I, I don't know. Who do you go and get? Is it Bruce Pearl? Like, I'm trying to think of the Ooh. impact. Uh, the coach, uh, there's, there, there's not that many coaches left anymore that automatically you just say, yeah. that's Kentucky's coach. Yeah, it's a good point because you're probably going to go try to find like uh, someone a lower power five I mean, job that's doing a really good job. Right now, the highest paid are uh, it's Calipari, Tom Izzo, um, Bill Self. Let me give you a name. Go ahead, Chris Beard. Mm, no, not no? right now. I, I, you, I need give to see more from year Ole Miss. I, I need to I don't see know that he's getting fired this year. Let me say that. I, I think it's going to happen eventually. But if it happens, if he gets Ole Miss the tournament this year, yeah, and then gets Ole Miss the tournament next year. And then the job comes open. I, I would absolutely look at look, look at Chris Beard. Highest paid, eight point six hey, million. Is college basketball being good right now. How about Saturday in that triple header? Houston loses at Kansas, top ten matchup, or right around it. North Carolina beats Duke, Duke in Chapel Hill, top ten matchup. Tennessee goes on the road and wins at Rub, so, and it's one hundred three to ninety two. You know, it's like an NBA-type score yeah. in that game. And Dalton Connect, who's scoring 35-plus every game, had 16. I could hear the old in the game, and they didn't NBC, even need much from NBA him. on NBC theme right now. Does Kentucky make enough? Or I, let me say this. Could, could they outspend YouTube. UConn for Dan Hurley if it came down to it? Enough to where it would no. get Hurley to leave? No. Hurley's not leaving UConn. No way. But think of so Hurley is such a northeastern guy, and UConn will pay him. Bring back Patino. UConn doesn't care enough about football. They will take money from football to give it to Danny Hurley, if that's what it takes to keep him. I don't. I don't see Hurley, and I get Calipari was a northeastern guy also before Memphis and Kentucky, but no, he he's I mean, staying. Yeah, he's he's staying. Dude has a lifetime contract. How's Bob Huggins' health? Could he come? He back looked to like coach? he lost a lot of weight. I saw a picture of him over the weekend. I mean, you want to talk about someone who would be beloved with his style in the Commonwealth? On or off? It's the a court. guy who knows something about coal mining. Uh, coaching in West Virginia, the coal miners in Kentucky would really too. get behind him. Bourbon and whiskey as well. Burp, yeah, he fi- a, a lover of fine bourbon and fine racehorses. From what I understand, much yeah. like Calipari, they're over ads. Hey, Rick Pitino still coaching. I know. It's a bring. Bring uh, Rick Patino back. Ricky P. Time to get to go backwards. To That's a fun forward. game to play, though. Next Kentucky coach. I like the Bruce Pearl. You float that one out there? Yeah, I just threw out Bruce Pearl. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of the the name that says, we just... It, no, we did it. <laughs> we went and got the coach. We did it, everybody. That uh, is, is, is made for Kentucky. I don't know who that is. And let's throw out Bruce Pearl because of the, just... Again, I, I don't think Bruce Pearl wasn't coming to mind whenever he's been on the hot seat in the past. Calipari, I'm talking about. Cultural fit does not matter of, as much for basketball as it does football in the college ranks. Well, oh, I got a name for you. 
a guy who played at Kentucky, Mark Pope, who's crushing it at BYU right now. Sure. <laughs> I, I, know, can't Texas, tell, I can't tell if Davey liked it or not. Texas, well, I was on. just thinking about Texas hey. coming into the league, the horns down thing, how he handled that. I don't know. Cultural fit. I mean, it, it, the cultural I fit think is that's like more in, of a BYU recruiting thing, though. and just the, I mean, again, the impact that Calipari, whether or not his guys go on to do anything, he gets the best whenever they're possibly the best. Yeah, Cal- Calipari is the true, and, and all coaches are this to some extent, no doubt, but he is the true definition of, to me, roll the ball out and have great players do great things and make great plays. Yeah. And that's how he's going to win ultimately is when he just gets the right mix of guys that lead themselves. Uh, he's not a tactician. He's a good defensive coach. He gets guys to play hard. I think he does get guys to play within his personality. He's very good in that regard. But I mean, it, the secret. There's no secret to it. It's it's players. You get the right players that are winners that make the right plays most of the time that are just better than everyone else, and they're going to win a ton of games. And he's got a bunch of those guys in this team. That D- Dillingham is incredible for them right now. I mean, they've got some guys who can really score. Antonio Reeves incredible, but not ultimately going to win big. Davey, let's uh, let's hit one more stop. Let's do it. Let's go to Chicago, and the Bears will trade out of the number one pick. I'm on the bus here because I, I think ultimately Caleb Williams is going to have something to say about this. From Washington, knows Cliff Kingsbury from his one year uh, last year at USC. Yep. Now the, the OC. I think they trade out and they just trade to two. They also have the ninth overall pick. So they can get their quarterback, they still have Drake May. And I wouldn't want to trade below that if they're trading away, well, Justin Fields. Because it's those two quarterbacks, and it feels like the rest are just kind of the same guy right now, not ready to go, just based on what we've seen from the collective crop, Jeff. Yeah, I'm on the bus, too. I think it's going to happen. I think Justin Fields is going to be their guy, so they're going to trade out, and then um, they'll be, yeah, someone else will be drafting number one. Davey will be back uh, with uh, some weird headlines of uh, of the weekend, but when we come back, Andrew Brandt is scheduled to join us. We hit the business side of sports. He's been the agent. He's been in the front office for the NFL with Green Bay Packers. We discuss a variety of topics with Andrew Neck from Hotline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow here on OutKick. Andrew Brantz, anytime we get the chance to chat with the Sports Business Insider, we do just that. The Business of Sports podcast, uh, as well as the Sunday 7 newsletter and andrew-brant.com. Uh, always great to have you on, Andrew. Thank you for the time. Yeah, always good to be with you guys. Happy uh, Super Bowl week. Yes, we are here. here. Yes. Uh, so... I want to get to the the business of that in a moment, but what we saw last week from the NCAA with the state of Tennessee, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and now just seeing the the news that the NLRB rules that Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees of Dartmouth and are allowed to go forward with an election to create a union. Um, Just with all all of this news circulating and the the behind-the-scenes aspect that you certainly know well, where are we headed and... How long of a process is this going to be? Are we going to be talking about this for years? Or is this a, a matter of, well, we'll see something, some light at the end of the tunnel now? 
Yeah, I mean, the NCA has thrown a Hail Mary, guys, as you may know, to Congress. Charlie Baker's the new president. He comes from being the governor of Massachusetts in a, in a blue state, red state. He's been very across the aisle, bipartisan. And there's interest from both sides, but it's not interest in getting something done. It's not a priority. As anyone who's not living under a rock knows, there's a lot going on for Congress to deal with right now. They're not going to deal with this in a bill anytime soon. So now what do we have? We have lawsuits circling, lawsuits about NIL, lawsuits about a right to be a free agent as a college athlete, lawsuits about multi-time transfers. There's a Tennessee lawsuit basically saying players should just get paid whatever they should get paid. There should be no restrictions. And now today, as you mentioned, Dartmouth men's basketball, yes, seems like an unlikely group to, to be in the forefront here. But they now are allowed to unionize. Now, that'll be appealed by Dartmouth, so nothing will happen right away. But what does it mean to unionize? Well, it means they could be employees. They can go and get a bargaining unit like the NFLPA, whatever it is, to represent them. And then collective bargaining, and then salaries, and then health benefits, and all those kind of things. So I wish I had an easy answer where this goes. I think a couple things. Number one... A congressional bill, we just said, kind of a Hail Mary, maybe in the next couple of years, may, probably not any time before that. Settlement of lawsuits. Can the NCA pick one of these lawsuits and have a codified settlement that sets out rules that gives them some guardrails against overextensive collectives and overextending alumni and just paying players? NIL was never supposed to be, ever supposed to be about recruiting. And it's become all about recruiting. And the reason is, frankly, people like me, <laughs> it's lawyers, because since the Alston lawsuit in 2021 that went all the way to the Supreme Court and ruled on behalf of the plaintiffs not and against the NCA, the lawsuits are, are coming and they're going to win. The players are going to win because you and I can do what we want to do to make money. And... Other students at colleges can do that too. So the problem is, why can't athletes? Well, there's this idea of the NCAA of amateurism. Well, it's not going to last. It's just not going to last. I feel for the NCA because, again, to bring this to a head, I think the NCA is a good and will be good and will continue for as long as we can live for 90% of college sports. But for college football at the high level and college basketball at the high level, the NCAA has outlived its usefulness because it is big business. And when there's big business, there's big money. And there's going to be what is now cheating, but will eventually not even be cheating. And, and Andrew, I'm, I'm, I'm well said on all those points. I'm having a hard time, though, understanding with the NCAA. Is it one hand doing something the other hand doesn't know about? Or what could possibly be the motivation to go constantly to Congress saying, we can't legislate all of this with NIL, we're out of our depths, and then launch investigations into NIL collectives that have nothing to do with the university even. And Tennessee saying, you didn't implicate, you reviewed thousands of records of university employees, and it has nothing to do with Tennessee. You're, you're mad at the collective that's associated with Tennessee. I just... I'm having a hard time understanding the motivation. It's almost like they sped up their own death uh, in, in major college football by, by making this play. 
And I, it, I have to wonder, did everyone know about what was going on or was this just enforcement doing something not everyone knew about? That's a great question. There's a couple things going on here. Charlie Baker, you can't blame him too much. Mark Emmert held that job forever and did sort of head in the sand, right? Everyone yep. can say that. It was head in the sand by the NCAA forever until Brett Kavanaugh, Supreme Court Justice, bashed their head against the wall two years ago, three years ago. And now it's been a free-for-all. Everyone calls it the Wild West. I think on one track, you do have Charlie Baker with his political connections trying to get the Hail Mary in Congress. Even though there's two sides of Congress, the Republican bills are very NCAA-friendly. The Democratic bills are NIL, their health care, their concussion, their safety. There's all kinds of protections beyond NIL. So they can't even agree on a type of bill in Congress. What you said on the enforcement side, I think they have to find that collective and make an example of them. They tried with the with the booster for Miami and the and the women's basketball players last year, the Cavender twins. That didn't do much. But maybe they have some evidence, they better have evidence of catching Tennessee red-handed with this Nico, this quarterback, and basically offering him money, which is not in the rules. You can do NIL, but you got to go do an appearance or an endorsement. You can't just get money for coming there. So maybe they have a test case. But again, as you said, why them? And what's going on? And that's not going to work because eventually these lawsuits are going to win. I just think they have to settle. Not maybe all of them, but settle a lawsuit so that could sort of bring them into compliance with trying to live in this world now. Andrew Brandt, our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on Outkick. Um, just with your background in, in the NFL, in, in various branches of the tree, how crazy is it to you that we're about to watch a Super Bowl take place in Las Vegas? Yeah. I've been talking about this all day. I mean, I was in the NFL for many years, and the biggest taboo of all was gambling, and that's throughout sports. And... I remember guys in 2008, nine, I'm with the Packers. Quick story, we're right before the season, we're sitting around a bunch of scouts, coaches, NFL, our team executives like myself. And they're like, uh, you know, let's do a fantasy draft. Let's do a fantasy draft, two rules, no Packers and no money. And we're like, okay. And then, you know, old Andrew Brandt's got to call the league. Cause I'm like, eh, I'm a lawyer. I got to call this. So I call the league. They're like, Andrew, don't call the league. I call the league. And I swear this conversation happened. I said, listen, we're going to do a fantasy draft. No money, no Packers. Just making sure Are we cool with that. And the, there was a pregnant pause. And the, my, my lawyer friend at the NFL says, Andrew, we didn't have this conversation. I said, what? He says, how's your family? So this is only 14 years ago, whatever it is. And there was not even a thought of fantasy football. And again, Tony Romo couldn't go host a fantasy football convention in 2016. Uh, 2018 all changed with the New Jersey case. It didn't legalize sports betting, but allowed for states to have their own sports betting. Now we're up to 38 states plus the District of Columbia. And the big news, of course, is the NFL is bought in. It was hockey first, of course, with the Golden Knights. But the NFL, which, again, taboo forever, couldn't resist the lure of Vegas. And once they crossed, once they, they put a team in Vegas with the, with the Raiders, they lost the moral high ground. You know, that's when 
fighting that lawsuit for eight years. They're like, what are we doing here? They're like putting a team in Vegas, and here we go, a Super Bowl in Vegas, when gambling was the taboo. And now it's this tricky box, guys, as you know, where there's going to be 700 NFL players making appearances this week. Can they go in casinos? Yes. Can they do appearances in casinos? Yes. But they can't say anything about the casino. (laughs) They can't promote the casino. You have Devontae Adams has a deal with MGM, but he can't mention the sports book. You know, it's it's this delicate dance now, which again... This is what the NFL bought into. Well, they're going to be hosting parties. I mean, can yep. you can you be on the advertisement for said casino? Is it just like a verbal endorsement, or what is this? That's a great question. The word, I mean, the, the language, the language is they can't endorse a casino. They can be at a casino. I guess they can have a party at the casino that's not endorsing the casino. It's a I fair, mean, it's a it's a slippery slope. And again, like. Uh, the perception of the NFL in Vegas is turned drastically, right? Like, like just the outside looking in, uh, they want the integrity of the league to stay a certain way. Uh, right. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball, I guess no Major League Baseball players step foot uh, in a casino, or do they use an app to bet on the league? I mean, I haven't seen anything like that compared to what we see with the NFL. Point being, though, I mean, at what point do you think that the perception uh, and the reality for the league is, well, it just is what it is, and we're going to let these players, you know, do everything but bet on their team or bet on themselves because the whole rule is just so messed up. It is. And I remember interviewing a bunch of owners at the meetings when they decided to put the Raiders there. And I said to these owners, John Mara, Art Rooney, et cetera, like, what's your concerns about Vegas? Oh, it's a small market. It's a tourism market. Is it going to last? And I'm like, here in five different reasons. And I'm like, what about gambling? (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's the most highly regulated place in the world. It's fine. Nevada, great. I'm like, okay, we've crossed the Rubicon on Vegas. It's like, this is what Vegas is now. It's just another market. Well, and it, here's a Super Bowl. And how many BetMGM ads and FanDuel ads and everything oh, yeah, we see can. on Super Bowl Sunday? We're, I'm already seeing Tom Brady with Vince Vaughn in a BetMGM, BetMGM promotion. We know we're going to see that on Super Bowl Sunday, so... You're right, listen, though. It's a, it's a tricky relationship between the two. And listen, full disclosure, my podcast is on the DraftKings network. I mean, it's it has to, it has become embedded in sports programming, not just NFL, and embedded in sports media. It's and I'm not proud of that. I, I just think I'm a you know I'm from another day. I guess I'm an older guy where like it wasn't part of it. Now, the question is, is it better than going to the back of the barbershop and betting with your bookie? I guess. Yeah, sure. But it is mainstream. It, you know, it is, there are no more bookies in the back of the barbershop. It is mainstream in your face. And that's where we are. I mean, I guess you just, old timers got to just accept it. Andrew, what was your biggest head scratcher? from this past coaches hiring cycle in the NFL? What could be someone that was hired or someone who wasn't hired that really surprised you? Well, I'll say, I'll say two who weren't a head scratcher to me. A lot of people are, uh, and the major one, of course, Belichick, I thought he would have a hard time getting a job and I throw Pete Carroll in with him because I just think that the reason people hire these coaches is the same reason they sign contracts with young players. They're looking forward. 
They're not looking backward. Everything's fast forward. And it's this kind of um, fresh-faced, youngish coach that everyone wants to ascend the team going forward. The one that was kind of in that middle category that is a surprise to me that you guys know so well is Vrabel. Because Vrabel is not the age of Carroll and Belichick. He is that middle age between those guys and the Dave Canalises and Raheem Morrises of the world. Uh, I thought Vrabel would have a market. I really did. But again, it's that, you know, I mentioned Canales. I never heard him in any rumors, any rumors. And Tampa goes on a nice little run. He has an interview with Carolina. He knocks their socks off. He's head coach. That surprised me. Um, you know, and, and then you just see these things happen. I don't know what happened with Ben Johnson. I know the commanders did want him. <laughs> and whether they're settling for Dan Quinn as their number two or their number three, whatever it is. But yeah, that's an interesting one where he stays with Detroit. And I don't think he'll suffer by staying with Detroit. I think that'll be a high-powered offense. He'll do well. He'll have opportunities going forward. Check out Andrew Brandt's podcast, The Business of Sports Podcast, and the Sunday 7 newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. Um, Two-part question, but it ties in. ESPN and the NFL partnership moving forward uh, with the digital media aspect and, and NFL uh, network uh, and, and more. And behind the scenes, what do you think the reaction was when the NFL saw the WWE and Netflix on a $5 billion deal and what that could mean for the league moving forward and what they want from a media partner that they've long wanted? That's a great question. I, I mean, you know, the change in sports media and rights is going to be monumental. It already has. We have gotten used to, everyone listening has gotten used to Amazon being an NFL partner Thursday nights. You can only watch Thursday night football on a streaming service. Think about that. Think about saying that five years ago. You can't watch NFL football unless you have a streaming device on Thursday nights. And of course, we had the Peacock game. It's all changing. I think the WWE shows that Netflix has entered the chat. Now, they're the one that has held out, right? We've had Google. We've had Amazon. We've had Apple with soccer and with some baseball. These are digital media giants that have more money than any of these legacy networks. The CBSs of the world, they can't compete with that, not with those people. So I think there's going to be more of that. Now, Netflix will tell you they're still not in live sports because scripted raw is just like an entertainment thing every week. We'll see. We'll see if Netflix jumps in a little harder, maybe the NBA in-season tournament down the road. Um, I think the NFL and ESPN are in serious talks, but I'm not sure that's a good thing. You know, having been an ESPN employee many years you know, there is some, You're if that happens, you're going to lose some objectivity about the league. I think the NFL Network does a good job, but I, I don't think they're doing things that would rattle the cages of the NFL. ESPN would fall into that category if they were acquired and if there was a partnership that was that was formal. And you know what happens with these mergers or moves? There'll be duplication, which means there'll be more layoffs. I mean, there have already been layoffs at NFL Network. Everyone knows layoffs at ESPN. If this happens, there will be duplication. There will be layoffs. So there's a lot of rumors about what could happen with the NFL and ESPN. I'm not sure it'd be good for, for objective, hard media about the NFL. And then, of course, there'd be job loss. 
I wonder too, like if, if they're if they want the because ESPN wants the direct to consumer product, right? Um, and if, if the NFL is, like, they can always add more games, right? We could go, we could see twenty games and have specific again, or you have the international games that's exclusive to whatever. Um, I don't know how that all works within the media partnership and everyone that's involved with a, a hand with a piece of the pie. But do you see them creating more content for themselves because of the ESPN partnership? And the fact that, I mean, ESPN's paying $2.7 billion per year for 20-plus games already for the NFL and Monday Night Football. I don't know about extending the season beyond 18 weeks, 17 games, but look what's happened with Peacock. You have the wildcard game, Peacock only. And we didn't even notice it because it was a regular season game. There was a regular season game that was Peacock only. I see more of that. ESPN could, ESPN could have their DC, DTC product week 13, pull out this game. Week 12, pull out this game. I mean, it, it's happening under our nose. A lot of people complained about Peacock. It got the best ratings any streaming has ever gotten. That now is a staple. I don't think we're ever going to go back. I think every wild card weekend there'll be a Peacock game and one day a divisional round game on a streaming service. I don't think we'll get to the Super Bowl in our lifetime, but it, you know, it's just always going to go up. I think this is one of the last years we're going to have last week where there's championship games on the same day. I can't see that lasting. I mean, it's got to be a Saturday night, Sunday night, or a Sunday night, Monday night going forward. It's just the natural evolution of everything with the media and, and and the NFL. It's just the records are broken every week. Are we are we playing too much into the Taylor Swift thing for the ratings of Super Bowl or they're about to shatter uh, numbers that won't be met a year from now? Because the NFL always goes above uh, the previous year if they can. Talk about two brands that didn't need any more attention. <laughs> <laughs> the, the NFL and Taylor Swift, but as I've talked about all year, what a boon for business. I don't know. There's no conspiracy, but you talk about the one demographic the NFL didn't have is probably young girls. The one demographic that Taylor Swift didn't have is probably beer drinking men. Yeah. Meatheads. <laughs> yep. And now you got them both. I mean, yes, if it was going to do a 120 million, I think it'll do a 135 million. You know, if the that the game last week was going to do forty five million, it did fifty million. Is it going to do fifty? It did fifty six. I think it's a uh, it's a great story. And I listen. CBS, I think, showed constraint. I, I remember the games <laughs> in October showed her a lot more. Uh, I'm with than, you. The, the championship, championship game they didn't show nearly as much of her. It was only a Kelsey touchdown. Yeah, I mean, if Kelsey doesn't score, I don't know if we see her. You know, so. Hey, romance is in the air. What can you say? I, mean, I always go back to the first one against Chicago in September, the 41-10 game. I don't oh, blame Fox was... for showing her so much because it was 41-10. That was a big moment when she was crazy, there, and it was all official. Yep. Andrew, thank you so much for the time. We always enjoy the perspective. We are smarter for having you on. I appreciate it, guys. Anytime you need me. Andrew-Brandt.com is uh, where you go. It's a, a, a great uh, resource uh, for a site there. Plus, uh, I, I'm a... I love the Sunday 7 newsletter and uh, the Business of Sports podcast, which is great. He's really good and can talk about a lot of things and do so very well. Chad, the uh, Outkick store will be taking some gear to Vegas with us. Shop.outkick.com is where you can go to grab the latest Outkick gear. Polos, T-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, more. 
It's all available. My um, softball team, my coach, is about to have a team store. Really? Yeah. I will wear gear on the, on this wow. show. I'll I'll bring you something. Shop.outkick.com. Some yeah. Maybe you could just have the you could have a page at shop.outkick.com. Yeah. Or your I, you have your team store there. I think that uh you know fans of this show would, would love to support the Wilson Mash I've, and buy some gear for that. Mash hashtag yeah. Mash. You can wear that and wear most likely to yell at the ref. You can you can get both. Maybe maybe coming to outkick.com one day. Uh, you could have a Davies hat would just be let's get weird. Two one. Zero talking now. Gentlemen, I have one story for us today that I just thought was incredible. I came across this over the weekend, but it just goes to show you the links that some people will go to to where they can continue to party by having as many drugs, as much sex, and fun as they possibly okay. want. So we have Ian Day. It's a Vegas appropriate story. And we're hooked. Let's yes. hear it up. We have a man named I'm Ian moving Day. Moving to the edge of my seat as we speak. Go ahead. He's 48 which actually is pretty impressive whenever you hear this story and you think this guy's 48 and he's, he's still going to these lengths. Ian Day was partying in, I think it's Pattaya, which is the capital of Thailand. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it doesn't really matter. He was in Thailand and he was partying. Well, he ran out of money. So he thought, man, I really don't want to have to go back to England. What can I do to where I can get more money to continue my escapades? He was there with a couple of friends and so they ultimately landed on the idea of, well, we can pretend that you have been taken ransom and the only way to free you is to have your family send us money. That way huh. we continue to have fun by going about all these dangerous and illicit activities. So the family, obviously very concerned after knowing that Ian had been kidnapped, is being held ransom, contacted the authorities. Well... As the authorities learned more and more about the situation, they decided, you know what? We're going to send in the equivalent of a SWAT team to make sure that we're able to free this man and get him back with his family. Now, once SWAT team got there, they found out this guy's not actually been kidnapped at all, and they came to the understanding that, nope, he faked the kidnapping in order to get money so he could go about his fun activities. It ultimately led to the arrest of himself and his three friends who... Uh, I actually, I have their names here. We have fellow Brit Darren Cheeseman. This guy's 57. Uh, Frenchman Damien Rocher, who's Cheese 50. Man. Yep, Cheeseman. And uh, 36-year-old New Zealander Ben Cooper. So Hangover 3 sucked. They could go back to Thailand and tell this story for Hangover Part 4. This would be a great return to Thailand since that's where they With went in Hangover Part 2. Completely different actors. Yeah, this sounds like a Todd Phillips plot. Someone needs to option the rights to this for a this comedy is, in Hollywood uh, immediately. Yeah, but this is like if the, this uh, movie pops up on Netflix, I'm spending a Friday night uh, clicking play and watching it straight through. This, this sounds like the uh, Hangover Four or Five, um, but it's with the totally different actors and different directors, like Home Alone Three. I don't. No yeah. one knows that kid's name. Well, this is you got to get the right actors to play it. Like this is a true story. This all happened, right. but it's a comedy. Yeah. You, know, you play it, it's a total comedy is how you play it, but it's a true story. I know there's a, a lot of a questions. A crime comedy story. Yeah. Uh, one One's like, well, was this all just by text, by phone? How, how did they know this? Well, Ian actually had his friends send a picture before, and then he had one where afterwards where they had beaten him up and then showed the bruises and all his injuries. 
So he physically suffered pain just to get this money. This man must have been, he was hurting for, for that cash to get sent. That's tough. That's tough. Davey, this was a, a, a one weird story worthy for yeah. one, one story. This is, so sure. is this the hotel room right here? Yes. Oh, the room? It looks like the, the room where OJ tried to get his uh, valuables back, including his Heisman Trophy. They busted uh, uh, him. On video? Yeah. He they busted rolled him. Rolled in to get it? or whatever? Yeah, when the Thai police showed up here, you could see, like, the guys were just partying. It was, the room wasn't in disarray. They were just having a good time and obviously led to some just confusion as to what, what the hell's going on here. <laughs> just having a good time in here, but play some Xbox. It's great. Is that a random clock on the wall up there on the right? What is that? Yeah, that's like a wall clock. I guess. It's, it's like in the wall. a sundial. Yeah. <laughs> it's an abacus <laughs> they have in the walls in, in Thailand. <laughs> You know, getting uh, uh, O.J. Simpson to prison on that break-in yeah. story the way they did is like getting Capone on tax evasion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were going to get him one way or the other, and it's like, oh, you broken. We're going to get B&E. We're going to get this aggravated assault. We're going to pile all these charges up, and since we didn't get you for murdering your wife, we're going to do all this and a, and another gentleman. Uh, we're going to get you on this, and that's how we're going to was it Ron? We're gonna nail you. It's worth noting Gold, that uh, Goldman. I was Goldman. Say, I was yes. say, uh, Goldstein, but Goldman. The the, the four men had overstayed uh, their visas and they're now being deported. So good for them. Ruin yeah. ruin the fun. Hey, Yolo, you know you only live once. Uh, Davey, good morning. You told us good morning about what an hour ago. Yeah. No, I said a great start to your day. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, well, we'll be closer. <laughs> Fair enough. Third shift's uh, about to start. Coming up on Wednesday when we're in Vegas, we will be closer to the start of the day there on Pacific That's time. That's right. It'll be post-lunch. It may be the start of our day. But there, that is the start of Davy's day is post-lunch. You can't have a bad a bad morning if you don't wake up till the afternoon. Hope you'll join us tomorrow, 4 o'clock Eastern, our start time right here. We're Hot Mike with Huddy with Rowe. Outkick.com slash Y.